You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. I want to speak on the presence of God tonight. Okay, I want to speak on the presence of God. We're going to do this through Joshua chapter 3. Let's read together. This is the Old Testament. This is pre-Jesus incarnate. Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross. This is long before that, but we get pictures of Jesus. Types and shadows, as it were, about Jesus. And so we can find Jesus in the scriptures that were there before Jesus. That's what we're going to do today. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. It says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, Josh, this passage was preached yesterday at a conference. <laughs> I can't make the same joke he made. Can't be that guy. Shittim and went to the Jordan and where they camped. All right. And went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see... The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the, the Levitical priests carrying it. You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. That specifically, that instruction there was specifically because Jesus had not come yet. And access to the presence of God was actually reserved for very specific people in a very specific way. So the Levites, the Levitical priests, as it says here, were able to carry the presence, the ark, which represents, I'm sorry, the presence of God amongst them, amongst the Israelites. The Levites could only carry it, but everybody else had to stay back because if they saw the contents, if they saw or got too close, it would actually cause them harm and death because the presence of God is holy. It's set apart. It's, it's the only thing that can be amongst itself. God can only be with God because he is holy and only holy. He is righteous and he's the only one until Jesus. Jesus was the sacrifice that allowed us then access to the presence of God. So his death paid the price that we need to pay to get access to the presence of God. So we no longer have to sacrifice or do things or follow the Mosaic law to get access to the presence of God. This is a beautiful part of this passage. And so verse 5, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, the thing that represents the presence of God, and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, a bunch of nations in this land. And see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord 
um, of the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. So context for this story is God's people, the Israelites, God's chosen people, the descendants of Abraham, Abraham being the guy that God promised that he will set apart and he will give a nation to him. His descendants will become a nation and they will become and be called the children of God. And these children of God actually got caught up in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And God said, I'm going to deliver my people because I have a promise for them. I have their land that I'm going to bless them in. And I'm going to bless them so much that the world is going to be blessed through them. It's the Israelites, the Jewish people of our day. And so they're in slavery and God sends Moses to deliver them miraculously from slavery. He says, we're going to the land that God promised. And, and, and there's this journey that unfolds. They cross the Red Sea and all the people, the Egyptians chasing them are killed because the sea opens up by God. The Israelites pass through. And then the Egyptians are caught up in the waves coming back, obviously, and they die. And so they're, they're going towards this land and they struggle with the idea of understanding who God is and actually following God. And so God says, this type of thinking, these types of people cannot go into the promise that I have for them, the promised land. And so God says, 40 years, you'll be wandering the desert because I need another generation, a new, fresh generation that's going to understand me, understand my presence to go into the promised land and establish the culture and the way and the kingdom that I designed it. And so here we are at the precipice of them entering that promise. They finally got to the place where they can see the promise. It's right there on the other side of the Jordan River. And there's a new guy in charge named Joshua. And God's speaking to Joshua and he says, now's the time. Here we go. But he says, what you're going to do is you're going to go to the Jordan River and you're going to camp there. You're going to stay there for three days. And he says, when you see the ark, the representation of the presence of God going forth, then you may go into the promise. You will follow the ark into the promise. This is very significant. I don't know if you see the tension in this scripture. It stands out to me like something crazy. They can see Everything that God has promised them in their lives, it's right at their fingertips. And God says, don't go. Don't do it. Just wait. Wait for my leading. Wait for me to go first, so to speak. And when I go, then you may follow me into the promise that I have for you. See, this is a representation of Jesus. Because Jesus, when he comes to the people, when he's walking this earth, he gives them an invitation and the invitation is this, come follow me. Come follow the directions that I give you in life. Come follow my lead. Come imitate me. Come do as I do. And I'm afraid sometimes that we get that a little bit backwards because we have this language within church that goes like this. Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Have you invited Jesus into your heart? I'm not saying that's incorrect, but I, I, I would say it's a little bit misleading because it, it, it seems as if we're saying, Jesus, come be part of my life, like a little token or a good luck charm. I'm going to put you in a little pocket that I don't have here and put it in there, and, and I'm going to go about this life because I've been asked you to come into my heart, and you're going to bless everything that I do, right? I, I, I'm sure if you've been in this walk, for, like that's crossed our mind once or twice, and maybe you're in this place today and you're like, wow, that's what I thought this thing was. Well, 
here I am to tell you that it's a little bit different than that. God's blessing is on the table and he wants good things for you. In fact, the word says that his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But that's as you follow him. So we have this tension in this story where he's like, here's right over there. There's everything you've ever wanted. Blessing for your family, prosperity, milk and honey. Literally, as he describes in the word. Incredible things over there that your generation has been seeking after and feeding for and wanting forever. And here you are going to step into the thing that your father couldn't do. Your mother couldn't do, and your grandfather, all these people couldn't do. It's right there, and God says, wait. And so I want to introduce some language to us today as a community. You might think of this as a vision statement, something like that. I really don't feel comfortable. If you know me by now, you know I don't like boxes. So I don't want to put this phrase in the box of a vision statement, but I just want to put it out there, something that identifies us as a community. And it goes like this. We exist to create moments with Jesus that become the movements of Jesus. We exist to create moments with Jesus that become the movements of Jesus. Moments with Jesus look like what we're doing right now. We're encountering his presence. We're becoming aware of him. We're spending time with him. And as a community, as a church, as people, we do what we can by bringing who we are to create this space for other people to encounter Christ. We worship, we bring our talents and our giftings, we pray behind the scenes and prepare for what is happening on Sunday so that we and others can experience and encounter the presence of Jesus. And I feel like we as a community have stepped into that quite well. That is a priority for us to be in this place and encounter the presence of God. And I I think that if you're here, it's because you probably value that. Some of the feedback that we get about our community is that, wow, I really encountered God. It's not about how great the music is or there's compliments there sometimes or how good or how bad the preaching is or how well someone greeted you at the door. Those are amazing things. And in fact, all of those things you can encounter the presence of Jesus. It's the point of his church. But it's not about those things. It's about encountering Christ. And so if you've been around and you've just experienced that in worship with us, that that is a high priority for us. And you'll see why in a moment. But then we get to this other half of the phrase where it says, we exist to create moments with Jesus that become the movements of Jesus. Which means that there's something that happens in an encounter with Christ that provokes us into movement in our life. It it changes us. It shifts us, right? Sometimes we can just get around or in the presence of God or be around Jesus and find it comforting. But Christ in that moment is actually inviting us time and time again, day in and day out to actually follow his ways, follow his character, follow his intent for this world. And so we are stepping into a season where we're emphasizing the understanding that this is a movement. That Christ, as we give our lives to him, actually requires something from us. He requires faith and he requires risk and he requires us to step into places that we have no business being in except for his leadership. 
Like, this is what he's calling us into. And I think sometimes we get comfortable with the former, where we're just wanting to encounter God, but we're neglecting the fact that he's leading us into a movement. There's people in your life that need a touch from Jesus. And he gave you a touch of himself so that you can go and touch someone else. That is a movement of Jesus. There's people that have been called to business. There's people that have been called to family or creatives and to art. There's there's things that God has called you to. And the point of him encountering you is so that you would bring him into those places. And as we do that as individuals and we come together following one spirit, one father, one baptism, as it says in Ephesians 4, as we're unified, we then together become a movement. We're the movement of Jesus in this world. And so we need both sides of the coin. We need to understand that we're here to encounter the presence of God, but it actually needs to lead us into a place of movement in this world. Does this make sense to you? We exist to create moments with Jesus that become the movements of Jesus. Some new language for you. Moments and movements. And so we have this, this, this break that happens in the story where they're wandering their way through the desert. They finally get to where they need to go. God says, we're going to take you there, but wait here for three days. Don't go until you see the ark go. And that's actually reflective of a lot of language that we initiated this community with. We called it this. It's a movement without movement. We understand that there's a movement that is happening within us as a result of encountering Christ. But we're not going to go anywhere until Christ gets us there, until Christ tells us to go. So we sit into this tension in our lives, as they do in this story, between the promise and the presence, where the promise is right there. I've just gotten a prophetic word. I've just encountered Christ, and he told me what my life is going to look like. I have this business opportunity to make happen what God said is already going to happen in my life, and we have this tension between following his presence and chasing the promise, and here we are on a vision Sunday where something has happened in our community over the last couple of years. We've done our best to preach the truth in a way that like people who don't want the truth won't be here. It's still grown. God has done something special in our midst. And I think the human temptation is to say, hey, we got it. Let's go. Let's make movement. God's poured in so many words and so many dreams about what he's going to do. In fact, we've been told that we can't even comprehend what he wants to do in our life because it's so big. And so massive. And so that can inflate us sometimes. We're like, yeah, the promise is right there. Got money in the bank. We got talented people around. We can preach a little bit. We can worship a little bit. We're going to crush it. Let's go. The promise is right there. The vision is right there. In fact, we have so many things that we want to share with you about what we feel like God's doing. But I'm here to tell you today that we still exist as a movement without movement. We have not yet stepped into the promise that God has for us because his presence is keeping us here. His presence is saying, wait here until I go, until I move. So on Vision Sunday, we can either lock eyes on the promise or we can lock eyes on the presence. 
He said, watch, wait, and see. Watch the ark. Watch the presence. And when the presence goes, you're going to go into the promise. The temptation is, and I'm afraid, God is doing so much. I need to rephrase that sentence. I changed it in the middle. I'm not afraid God's doing so much. God is doing so much in his church globally. And he does it in such a special way. And he works in all situations. All of them. Even when our intent is not pure, God will still move in it. For the sake of the other. God is at work in his church. But here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of churches getting a glimpse because there's some equity built up, right? There's some talented people around. There's great expression. There's like cool ideas and innovation and brilliant people and say, hey, we got this. Let's go. Let's do this. And that's not, I don't think, completely wrong. Matthew 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I'm here to tell you that that's not what God's placed on this house. That we just go and we go and we go and we build and we burn out. We go on our own. We do the holy hustle and we just go with what we got. And we get this turnover of people and we get this people like broken. We're like, you can't hang because we're going. (laughs) Right? Like there's an interesting passage of scripture in Exodus 33, which I'm getting ahead here in my notes, but that's okay. We'll go. Let's roll. (laughs) God tells Moses, actually Moses tells God, like, who's going to go with me into the promised land? Like, who's going to go? In fact, let's read it. I have it right here. Exodus 33. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Again, this is previous to this story that we just read. You have said, I know by... I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. This is Moses speaking. And if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And so we can infer then that if we have a high rate of burnout and a high rate of turnover within the church is that we might not be leading with the presence of God. Because he says, I will go with you and give you rest. We need to understand what it means to walk in step with the Spirit so that we can do high rates of work and incredible things that are way outside of our repertoire because we're following Christ. But in those things, we will not burn out. Our families will not collapse. There will be no sin that will take us out because we're walking in step with the Spirit. And the reason why God says slow down, stop, is because I'm still preparing you. I'm still doing a work. And a lot of that work will be in, can you obey me? Can you say no when it's right there? Can you slow down when it's so easy to just go grab that thing right there? It's very reminiscent as I'm thinking now of the Garden of Eve. Garden of Eden, I'm sorry. little Freudian slip there. I'm already thinking about Eve and it just came out. Garden of Eden and, and, and Eve is tempted to eat of the tree that God told her not to. But it wasn't, the temptation was not bad. Let me explain that to you. It says that the fruit was good and it was pleasing to the eye and it was beneficial for wisdom. It was right there. 
It was going to benefit her. It was going to improve her life. It was going to improve her generations. That's what she thought. And she's like, I'm going to go grab this thing, even though God told me not to. The promise is right there. And we have to understand this tension. First of all, realize it and then get comfortable with it. That this tension will always be in our lives. Taking things into our hands or giving them to God. So we have this verse, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. This has been a foundational verse for us where Joshua tells Israel, consecrate yourself for tomorrow God will do wonders among you. So that became a verse of focus for us when we initiated this community. It was the promise that God will do wonders amongst us. But it's not our job to make those wonders happen. It's our job to set ourselves apart so that when God wants to do that, we're ready, we're prepared. There's nothing that's going to hold us back. And that idea of consecration or sanctification, we, we oftentimes think of it as dealing with our sin or cleaning up our lives or, or, or discipline issues. And it is all of those things. But I also want us to understand that it's, it's, it's getting things in order. It is prioritizing certain things. It's, it's, this, it's this list that we have in our lives of all the things that we got to get going on the day. And God is about fourth or fifth or sixth down that list. I think consecration would mean get God to the top of that list. So when his presence moves, you recognize it and you go with it because you've been spending that time with him. You understand who he is. Consecrate yourself. Get familiar with the ways of God so that when he moves, you're not going to miss it. Because I think God actually wants and desires a lot more activity within his kingdom in this city that we just miss because we haven't prepared ourselves for it. We haven't yet learned and understood what it means to follow his presence, to follow his voice, to follow his lead. Because all we want is what he promised us. I'm going to go, God promised me a wife. God promised me a husband. So I'm going to go choose the one I want because he promised me. What about a job or an advancement in career or an increase in salary? So we get the promise and we just think God's going to back up every movement that we have after that. He says, no. The invitation was to follow me, not follow the promise. So I want to give you three, three ways of understanding this. I'm so bad with coming up with those titles. I never think about this. I want to give you three thoughts, okay? <laughs> Number one is this. His presence leads us into the promise. Verse 4. Start in verse 3. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Get up and go. Then you will know which way to go. Listen to this. Since you have never been this way before. I need you to understand tonight that what God desires to do in your life and the promises that he has for you He's never done in anyone else before. You've never seen it before. That's how significant it is in your life. And the reason why he does that is to give himself glory, to say that that could have never happened through me if I did this on my own strength, or through you if you did it on your own strength. Those are the things that he has laid up for you. And you can't find the method for it outside of him. 
You can't walk into the promise of God without his instruction, without his ways, because you've never gone that way before. We have this issue in the world right now where we're comparing ourselves with each other. And that gets a negative rap, right? Because a lot of anxiety and depression and all of that comes in in this world of comparison. But I think there's another angle of that that we need to understand. That we compare ourselves in one way or hold our lives against someone else's life and we try to find the way into the promise the way they went, the way they did it, the hustle that they went through by asking them the secret sauce of their life when God actually wants to give you your own secret sauce so that you can't say, I got this from them or from that person. I got it directly from God. Because when you get to the top, so to speak, to the, to the precipice of your life, to the pinnacle, our story needs to be, there's no way that this could have happened except God. Yes. How many of us are living that story right now? How many of us know people that have that story? We got to look through this word and we'll find it. But I'm afraid it's a little too few and far between in our world that God actually wants to do greater works than these, Jesus says. You will do greater works than these. The miracles that Jesus did, you and I will do greater works than these as a church. But the only way we can get there is following his lead. There's this man named David Livingston, and he was a missionary a couple hundred years ago, missionary to Africa. Little backstory, he he wanted to pastor, and the Church of England said that you're not qualified. So he followed God's lead. He went where God was leading him, and he went to Africa. At that time, Africa was not mapped the way that we know it now. He's actually responsible for mapping, I think, like a third of Africa. So he's not only a missionary, he 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 he, he mapped Africa. <laughs> no other way to describe it. And Victoria Falls in Zambia, he discovered, and he named it. Significant man. In fact, the cool thing about his story is that before he died, he said, I want my heart to be buried in Africa because this is where it belongs. My heart is in Africa. It was interesting because the Church of England, like he was now some sort of celebrity within that world, and they wanted his body back to memorialize and so what, what the Africans did was they just cut out his heart, buried it in the ground, and sent the body back. Because his heart was in Africa. He followed the voice in the presence of God. And one year, the Church of England wrote him and said this, We would like to send other men to you. Have you found a good road into your area yet? And Livingston wrote back, If you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. This is a church, a community of people that are going. It's going. This is, I'm telling you, this is who we are. We're going where there's no road. We're going where no one's ever gone before. I'm not saying it's a greater place. I'm just saying it's a different place. And we have to be okay with the movement of God. We have to be okay with getting acquainted with his presence to such a degree that we will move and we will go wherever he calls us to go. And no matter what it costs us. This is our community. 
And we can be part of something that man is building or we can follow God into something only he can do. Number two, his presence secures the promise. God's promise to you without his presence will be a problem. You taking hold of the thing that God promised you without being acquainted with his presence will crush you. It will hurt. The gift without the giver is a curse. Everything that he wants to give you requires him. Verse 10. This is how you will know that the living God among you is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. He says, there's some enemies in the land in the promise that I have for you, but don't worry about it. You'll know that I'm with you because I'm going to drive them out before you. I'll do it for you. Everything that's in your way, if you're following me into the promise, I will get rid of them for you. This is an interesting one to me because it says in Numbers chapter 33, God says to Moses to tell Israel, he says, when you walk into the promised land, I preached on this before, when you walk into the land of promise, you need to drive out the inhabitants of the land. You need to get rid of them because if you don't, there's little pests in the promise. If you don't get rid of them and you let them stay there, they will be barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side for as long as you're in that land. What that means is if you don't deal with the things that God is calling you to deal with in your life as you follow his presence, as you follow him, if you don't deal with those things, they're actually going to be ridiculous, annoying, painful, distracting elements within the promise that God has for you. Take a marriage, for example. If you walk into a marriage without having dealt with the things that God's asking you to deal with, that marriage will end up being a curse. You'll hate the thing that God blessed you with. When Adam tells Eve, it's the woman that you gave me that made me do this. The perfect thing that God gave him became a curse because he didn't deal with the things that God asked him to deal with. And so God tells Moses to tell this to, to Israel, deal with the land. Drive out the inhabitants of the land. And then he changes his tone. He says in Exodus 33, he says, actually, I'm going to do that for you. You need to get rid of them, but I'll drive them out for you. I'll be the one to dispose of these things that is in your way. You just need to follow me. There's things in your life I'm telling you today that you've been struggling to get rid of, to deal with, and to give to God. And it's not because he doesn't want you to get rid of those things. He's inviting you to follow him so that those things can flee from your life. There's moments that you have in the presence of God where things break off your life, never to be seen again. I'm afraid that God allows things to stay because we're actually not going through the route that he's called us to go to get rid of them. It's his promise to deliver you from things that are holding you back from his promise. Remember, promise and presence. His presence will lead you into the promise of deliverance from the thing that is chained on your life. Pursue his presence and you will have the promise. His presence secures the promise. Is this okay for anyone in here? 
Promise without his presence will be a problem. This last one here rocks me. Number three, his presence is the promise. His presence is the promise. His presence is the promise. Moses started out his journey with a promise from God. I'm going to deliver these people. I'm going to show myself strong in your life. And we're going to take these people to the promised land. And Moses turns around and says this to God. I don't want it. I don't want that promise anymore. Because I've been walking with you a while now. I feel like you're way greater than that promise. There's something that happens in our lives when we start walking with God. We start moving with him. Where the promise becomes less important in our lives than the one that we're walking with into the promise. And we can turn around and say to God, I don't want it unless you're going with me. I don't want it unless you'll be there with me. I don't want everything that you have for me because you're what I want. Sometimes we place that on people initially and we say, this is what you need. You need to prefer God's presence over his promise. Well, I think God actually promises us things and requires that we walk with him so that we might find on our own the true beauty in life, which is him. I got great things for you. Come with me. Come with me. Put down your nets. You've been fishing for fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Just follow me. His presence is the promise. And so when we live with that tension of the promise over here, we can see it in the presence right here. We survey, we look, we say, do we want it now in our terms? Or do we understand that God is faithful and is true and he's going to get us there? But I just want to take the journey with him. pursuit of the promise to Moses, in pursuit of the promise, the presence of God became the promise. You get it. It's sobering, I know. Vision Sunday, we're supposed to get pumped up about where God's leading us, right? But here's the beautiful thing. God's leading us to himself. We're peculiar people. Come unto me. Draw near to me. In your presence is fullness of joy. I'm going to read Psalm 16 to you. When you got it up on the screen. It says, keep me safe, almighty God. I run for dear life to you, my safe place. So I said to the Lord God, you are my maker, my mediator, and my master. Any good thing you find in me has come from you. And he said to me, my holy lovers are wonderful, my majestic ones, my glorious ones, fulfilling all my desires. Yet there are those who yield to their weaknesses, and they will have troubles and sorrows unending. I never gather with such ones, nor give them honor in any way. Listen to verse 5. This is David. He said, Lord, I have chosen you alone as my inheritance. I've chosen you as my inheritance. You are my prize. You are my pleasure. And you are my portion. I leave my destiny and its timing in your hands. 
Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. And I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. For you have given me the best. The way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. For your whispers in the night give me wisdom. Showing me what to do next. Because you are close with me and always available. My confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. My heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure. For you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your Holy One to experience corruption. For you bring me a continual revelation of resurrection life. Listen, the path to bliss that brings me face to face with you. Let me just take a moment. Jesus would do and he would say things that tested the heart of the people who were following him. He would say obscure things. He would say things that, that, that brought dividing lines. He would say things that shocked people. And it was this almost filtration system of those who actually wanted him versus those who actually wanted something from him. I'm fully aware of the implications of what this means for this house. There's exciting things that we have to say no to. There's flashy things and even people and numbers and all that. God's not interested in numbers. God's interested in holiness. God's interested in people who are in love with him. God's interested in people who respond to him for who he is, not for what he can give us. There's people in here right now that are not okay with what I'm preaching because they came to get something. There's other people maybe a few that God is stirring and say, yes, this is what's on my heart. This is what I need. And those are the people. You are the people. And we will march forward and we will follow the presence into greater and greater things that have never been seen in this city before. Because that's what God's already said. He's already promised it. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need you to do the things that only he can do. So stop settling for things that you can do in your own strength and follow him in his presence so that you might experience things that you've never seen before. God could have went huge through Jesus. He could have built a mega church and said, I want numbers. I'm going to change this world in one moment. Just come to my stadium of a million people. Shout me down. Love me. God sent away the crowds and he invested his life into 12 people. And those 12 people changed the world because those 12 people were sold out to follow him even unto death. There's things in this world that we have not yet seen. We live in a prosperous time. You don't know how long that's going to last. 
You don't know that things might change tomorrow in your life. And God is wanting to prepare you for those moments so that you might be able to make it through those moments with your head lifted high, shouting Jesus the whole way. God is preparing a church in this city that will move through whatever comes its way because we have our eyes and our hearts locked on Jesus. You don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know who brings tomorrow. I'd rather find security in him than in taking a shot that everything's going to be okay tomorrow. I fear God more than I fear circumstances. Because in God, I'm sheltered from all circumstances. In your presence is fullness of joy. When the tempest, when the storm rages around, I will be found in you. When heaven and earth, something changes. I will be found in you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.